This is Sean Cannon. I played Mike Barnes in the Karate Kid 3. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion. So sit down, shut up, and bow to your sensei. Because your karate's a joke. Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter, also host of Paul's Tragic. And I am Tom, also host of Jake and Tom Conquer the World. And we have another interview, a very exciting one, one that I would say listeners have been asking for, and we delivered. We have Sean Kanan from the Karate Kid Part 3 movie. Mike Barnes. Yeah, the bad boy of uh, karate himself Absolutely. sat down with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, virtually, you know, but he, he right. did. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, somebody's going to be like, what? You guys were in the same room? Like, no. <laughs> you, you know how people get. But um, yeah, he sat down with us, talked, talked to us uh, about quite a bit of stuff. We actually had more time with him. Unfortunately, we were running through some technical difficulties. So we got a good half hour in there. You know, I think we got the most of our questions answered, I would say. I would say so, yeah. And, uh, you know, overall, my impressions of him is just a really cool dude. I mean, uh, he has the reputation of, again, the bad boy of karate, but I'd say he's anything but a bad guy. He's just a really laid back, really uh, kind hearted guy. Yeah, he's a really nice dude. Uh, at the very end of um, our call, he actually, you know, kind of said like, you know, it'd be cool to uh, to to meet in person sometime. You yeah, know? and yeah. in my mind, I was just thinking like, man, I wish to, to have him back so we can talk some more. But uh, hell, I'll I'll take meeting him in person. <laughs> you know, hell yeah, yeah. So not only that, I mean, you know, there were uh, a few things that I knew that he had. Uh, had done previously, but I didn't realize how many soap operas he had been on. You know, yeah. I, I had heard about The Bold and The Beautiful, but I didn't know he was also in uh, General Hospital. And um, I don't know, I kind of forgot some of the other titles, but he's been in a number of things. So he's been actively working for decades. Yeah. Well, plus, he's a bit of a renaissance man. And I mean, he's an actor, he's a martial artist, he's a dancer. He's a writer. He is involved behind the camera with uh, films. I mean, he's uh, he wears a lot of hats. He uh, has cooked, or he cooks. You know, he talks about his books, so we'll, you know, get into that as well. But yeah, he has uh, quite a many, he has lived a full life, I would say. he's Very much so, yeah. yeah. It sounds like he's done quite a bit. So, um, you know, we had a good time speaking to him, so we have, we hope that you guys have a good time listening to it. Hey, Peter, how are you? Hey, good, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excellent. We finally worked this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I know you have a uh, limited time with us, so we'll we'll go ahead and jump into it. Uh, Before we get started on anything, uh, I teased to you the other evening that we have a mutual friend, and that's uh, Sensei William Christopher Ford. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was actually just with him... uh, at the Dragon Fest a couple weeks ago. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so oh, wow. I reached out yeah. to him. I asked him if there's anything uh, he would like me to to tell you. And he says that out of the 
Credit Kid 3 cast that he respects you and Sensei Demera the most, uh, that you always oh, returned, very nice of him. Uh, you returned his calls and always helped him with uh, his fundraisers for St. Jude Children's Hospital. So much love and respect yeah. to you from him. Oh, that's great. Well, I have a lot of respect for him, too. So it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you again for giving us this opportunity to speak with you. Um, you know, the the focus, you know, because uh, of what we do here on this podcast, we w- want to talk about your role in the Karate Kid 3. Um, can you uh, tell us how did you even get onto the Karate Kid Part 3 in the character of Mike Barnes? Yeah, you know, uh, I was studying martial arts for a long time in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And um, my teacher decided to join the Japan Karate Federation, Sensei Demura's organization. So sometime later, I, I had met Sensei Demura and we got to know each other. And he knew that I wanted to become an actor. Uh, at that point, I was living in Los Angeles pursuing acting. And he got in touch with me and said that uh, they were going to be doing Karate Kid 3 and that they were looking for a bad guy, and I should try and figure out a way to uh, to get involved with the film. And uh, I had done a little bit of television work at that point. I had my SAG card, and I they were going to have an open call outside of uh, one of the studios. And so I showed up at the casting director's office, and I said, "Look, you know, I said I know there are going to be a lot of people there that aren't, you know." Um, you know, they're not, they're not all actors. I, I am. And I would very much like to audition for you today, if that's possible. And she said, Nope, you got to go wait in line with everybody else. Showed up. And, uh, there must've been, I mean, I mean, there were, there were hundreds, if not more than a thousand people waiting in line to audition for John Abelson, who had won the Oscar for Rocky and directed the first two karate kids. And John Abelson was walking up the line of hopefuls and he had a, he had a, like a video recorder with him, And I think he had a couple guys with him, and he was sort of filming people as he would stop and talk to them, having them do little improvs on the, on the street. He asked me to do an improv with them and I did. And he said, I believe it. And he set me inside the, the soundstage. And when I got in there, uh, it was, it was, there was a lot going on. It was really, uh, it was pretty amazing. Um, they had built a set and Ralph Macchio was actually there and they asked me to do a scene with Ralph. They, they asked me to kind of, you know, intimidate him, play the bad guy. And, and I did, and I guess it was believable. And, uh, they wound up hiring another guy for the part. And I guess he didn't work out. They kept him for maybe two days and they, they fired him and they called me in and the rest is kind of history. And also you had a serious injury on set, didn't you? I did. Um, you know, I did all my own stunts and, uh, I had to do a very simple stunt. It it was, it wasn't martial arts. I, I was standing and I had to sort of throw myself about three feet, uh, away and land on my side. And, um, I did it over and over and over again. And we, we broke for two weeks. We broke for Christmas, actually. And uh, I, I drove to Las Vegas with a friend. And I, I had been experiencing really bad pain in my left thigh, which I attributed to all the martial arts training. So I, I was taking a lot of aspirin. And in reality, what I had done was I had perforated uh, my omentum, which is sort of a sheath of skin that wraps around your intestine. And I've been bleeding internally for several days and eventually when i was in las vegas uh, and then the aspirin 
of course, exacerbated the bleeding. And when I was in Las Vegas, uh, I'll never forget, I, I, I had three $100 bills in my hand, and I kind of looked at the person I was with, and I said, I think I'm going to pass out. And I just sort of passed out at the ground, and uh, the paramedics came, and they, they said my, you know, my pulse was extremely low, and that they, they thought I was dying, and they had to take me to the hospital right away. So it was Christmas Day, 1989, I believe. It was 89, yeah. And they took me to Humana Sunrise Hospital in Las Vegas. And uh, they said, we're going to try and save your life. And I said, you saved my life. I, you know, I'm, I'm in great shape. I'm doing this martial arts movie. I, you know, what do you mean, save my life? And they said, you've lost a lot of blood. We don't know if we can save your life. We have, to, we have to operate on you. And I said, well, you mean, what, like Monday? And they said, no, like in 10 minutes. They rushed me to the emergency room. You know, I come from a family of doctors. So I, I said to the doctor, whatever you do, if possible, please don't cut my abdominal muscles. Because if I knew if they cut through my abdominal muscles, I was going to be, I was out of the film. I was going to be, you know, out of commission for a long time. And so I said, if you can, can you resect the muscles so that you keep them intact? And they did. And uh, I, I woke up in the recovery room. My dad was there. They, my parents were only able to get one ticket. There was only one ticket available. And so my dad flew out at midnight from Pennsylvania and arrived in Vegas. And, um, you know, I got a call from John Abelson. And basically the studio said to me, you got to be back at work in two weeks, less than two weeks, 10 days, or you're going to lose the job. We're going to, I think they said they were going to call Brandon Lee. Yeah. Is what and I heard. so yeah. I, yeah. And so I, I got out of bed the next day and, you know, I'd staples up and down my stomach and I, I forced myself to walk around the, the hallway in the hospital floor. I could walk around one time before really I was so exhausted. I had to get back in bed. And the next day I walked around, you know, five times, six times. The day after that, I walked around you know, 10 or 20 times and I had them release me against what they call it AMA against medical advice. And, uh, they decided, okay, they were going to keep me in the film, but they were going to use a stuntman to do all my karate. And I've mean, I studied karate, you know, for, for years. And it was very difficult for me to watch somebody that I thought was not as well-trained as I was. And uh, ultimately, they, well, they put me with a guy from the Rams. There was a, a football player from the Rams. And they had me doing rehabilitation, doing you know, first day I could do 10 sit-ups, then I could do 100, then I could do 500, you know. And ultimately, I wound up doing all of my own stunts in Karate Kid 3 with the exception of one stunt where, if you remember, uh, I drove this, uh, we had this convertible Mustang, and uh, the, the, the bad guys cut right in front of a, right in front of a train that goes by after we sort of... Uh, you know, rough Daniel up in the, uh, uh, the bonsai store. And, uh, I said, I'm not doing that. There's no way that I'm, uh, you know, going to ride in a car that's going to just get missed by a speeding train. So that <laughs> one I didn't tell. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can understand why. And that's the scene where you guys were doing donuts in the middle of the street. I think it was. Yeah. That's the one you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you, you spoke about the, the bonsai store, that, that particular scene, what was it like filming that scene? Because uh, Mike Barnes actually kicks 
Robin Lively's character. Um, I I forgot her name, <laughs> Jessica or something. Yeah, I know. I know. Right that terrible? <laughs> I was so terrible. I know. I felt so bad because you know Robin Lively is is such a lovely person. I just felt this is just awful. But um, you know, I I wanted to be very careful that I did it very you know with a lot of you know precise technique and that she didn't get hurt. And uh, you know, it just really. It really solidified what a what a creep Mike Barnes was. <laughs> now, one of my big questions is: the movie's been out for almost thirty years. It's going to be thirty years next summer, I th- I think. But Mike Barnes is one of the franchise's most popular characters. What would you say the, the reason for that is? I mean, what is it about his character that has really stuck with fans all these years? I think, first of all, there's a whole group of people that really prefer the Cobra Kai. They root for the Cobra Kai guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For Daniel, right? And I think that, you know, Mike Barnes was really the worst of the Cobra Kai guys. I mean, Johnny really is not, he's not, he's not a bad guy. And, and I think that's been really amplified when you watch the series of Cobra Kai because it sort of flips it on its head and does this amazing um, story that, that, uh, or, you know, that, that really Johnny is the one that was kind of bullied and wronged. Um, but Mike, there, there's just simply no doubt about it that Mike Barnes was a bad guy. And I think for the, for the people that like the Cobra Kai, they really enjoy the fact that he just was, you know, just such a jerk and so punishing to Danielson. Yeah. That's, that's my guess. That's yeah. my. Yeah, you know that's my hunch as to why people uh, like like Mike Barnes so much. Well, you you can't have a good hero if you don't have a good villain. That's right. And Mike Barnes was one of the purest villains in that series. Right, absolutely. Did you ever come up with like a backstory as to why is Mike Barnes the bad boy of karate? Why? What makes him so bad? <laughs> you know, I I think Mike Barnes uh, was. Definitely, uh, probably a troubled guy. He probably had a bad home life, you know, probably poured all his energy into karate and unfortunately didn't have anyone positive to guide him. And that's why he was, you know, um, sort of gave into the dark side. You know, it's funny. I've, I've always wondered what would have become of Mike Barnes, uh, especially now with the Cobra Kai series, because, you know, we're seeing characters 30 years later and for me I, I always felt like you know mike barnes had two options he was either going to go to jail or i thought he would probably join the military and get straightened out and may have actually turned out not to be such a bad guy but i didn't see a lot of other uh alternatives for him you don't see mike barnes going to the, into the peace corps is what you're saying <laughs> yeah no i don't i don't i don't really see him uh you know uh volunteering at the library and working with blind children so uh you know it, for me it would be very interesting to see what in fact uh became of mike barnes you know uh, oh, absolutely having served nine years in the army myself I, i'd like to see mike barnes in the military i think that'd be a pretty cool uh, path for him yeah and I, I think it'd be interesting too if you know i think you know with his physical ability and everything you know he could have probably gone into special forces and you know an interesting thing is we know that sensei priest was in the special forces. And I think it'd be interesting to see Mike Barnes come back and really, uh, he be, you know, he, he tapped into the best of who he was rather than the worst. And even though like Sensei Creed, they both share the background of being, 
special forces, uh, you know, Mike Barnes ultimately became, um, you know, a warrior for good. That would be interesting. Absolutely. Can you speak to uh, what was it like working with uh, Mr. Thomas uh, Ian Griffith and Martin Cove and uh, just the whole cast, uh, really? Um, did did you spend much time with Ralph Macho on set at all, being that you guys are supposed to... You know, to- I, 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 I spent time with Ralph only in the scenes where we worked. I think the producers very specifically, you know, wanted to keep us apart. We're not interested in us facilitating any kind of friendship. Right. Uh Hope, hopefully to you know to make the relationship on screen more realistic and i i certainly uh i think that that worked i mean i i think that you know ralph and i really were able to portray a relationship of two guys that were you know absolutely at odds um working with marty was amazing for me because you have to remember something i watched the first two films in the theater i was a fan and a year later, within, I'd say, a year after Karate Kid 2, I was filming Karate Kid 3. Maybe it was a year and a half. But, I mean, you know, within a very short time, I went from being this guy that was, you know, studying karate and wanted to be an actor, watching the movie as a fan, a paying fan, to I'm the guy. And it was surreal. And, uh, of course, I'd seen, you know, Martin Coe in the first uh, two films and he was bigger than life to me. And the ironic thing is that Marty and I are actually very close friends. Uh, Marty and I are very close friends. He's very close friends with my wife. Um, he is just absolutely one of the sweetest guys on the planet. He's, he's like an uncle to me. He really, I would say that Marty's like an uncle and, um, you know, I, 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 I have so much love for the guy that it's amazing that, you know, having gone from being this, you know, this 19 year old kid on the set to now I'm a, you know, going to be 52 years old in next month. In no November. Kidding. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. And now, you know, and now, and now Marty and I are, are friends. I, you know, I, I know his son and I'm friends with his son, Jesse. So it's like, for me, it, well, you know, that was one of the best gifts uh, uh, of the, um, of the experience was, was forging that friendship with Marty. Um, working with Thomas Ian Griffith was great. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a terrific actor. He he was a lot of fun, uh, created a really sort of bigger than life character. And, uh, you know, he and I, uh, I you know, really enjoyed working uh, together. What was now? How long after now? I I think I saw somewhere that you got into cooking at a really early age, like uh, in high school. Where- uh, I, you know, I, I really got to do it. But more when I was in college, I actually wrote a cookbook. Uh, which is called uh, The Modern Gentleman Cooking and Entertaining with Sean Cannon. And, uh, yeah, I, I love to cook. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've been fortunate enough that I was able to live in Italy for a while and been over there many, many times. And I've, I've you know, been able to learn a little here, learn a little there. My mother taught me a lot. And, you know, when I was in college, I didn't have the, uh, the funds to take girls out for expensive dinners, but I figured if I could get them to, you know, come over to my place and cook them a really good uh, home cooked meal. Then you know, I, uh, I maybe had a shot. You know, yeah. Hey, you know what? That's how I got my wife. <laughs> it works. And, uh, you know, I, I I love cooking for my wife, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of therapeutic for me. I love I love to cook. There's yeah. just something about it about the chopping and the the steam, and you know, throw a little music on, and uh, and I think there's also something really. You know, there's something very life affirming about feeding someone. I mean, you know, and, and I think that one of the things I talk about in my book is that, 
um, you know, food is this amazing conduit to building relationships. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, you sit, you can sit down with almost anybody and you break bread with them. You have a meal with them and it's, it's pretty hard not to forge some, <laughs> some kind of a relationship. I think your dog agrees. Now, while you were in Italy, you were also on the Italian version of Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, I was on Bailando con la Stella. What was that like? It was an amazing, that was an amazing experience. I had never lived abroad before. Um, you know, I, I did the show in Italian. Uh, it was just an utterly incredible experience to, you know, live in Rome. Uh, and, you know, at my age, I was like, I think I was like 40. 40 something when I, I did the show and, you know, I, I never knew how to dance and I never thought I was going to learn how to dance. And, uh, it was incredible to sort of, you know, learn a new skill at that age, uh, you know, at, at that age. And it was extremely hard, but it was a fantastic experience. Uh, well, one of my big questions is, uh, you have a reputation, uh, between your roles in, you know, soap operas and on the Karate Kid as being a uh, quote unquote bad guy. Now, is there any kind of uh, advantage to that sort of public perception? And is there anything that might not be so great about that public perception? Uh, I, I think it's a lot of fun to play bad guys, uh, especially in a soap opera, because, it, you know, it's really difficult playing a guy that's just a good guy in a soap opera because. Soap operas are predicated on conflict and on, you know, sexual relationships and, you know, all of this crazy stuff. And so when you're a bad guy, you've got, uh, you've got a lot more liberty to engage in that kind of behavior. Uh, you know, you're not sort of hamstrung by the parameters of being a quote unquote good guy. Um, it is, it has been difficult sometimes finding roles where I can play a good guy. Uh, although I've been fortunate enough that I've done, you know, now I've done, I've done a fair amount of them. Uh, but I have played a lot of bad guys. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, there's also, it's also fun playing the romantic lead. So, um, I, you know, in one respect, I was very fortunate that I got a lot of notoriety from playing, you know, Mike Barnes, the bad guy in Karate Kid. So I had opportunities to play other bad guys, but I think that I had to prove myself a lot more to get roles as, as a good guy. You mentioned uh, that, you know, you've uh, had extensive work in the field of uh, soap operas. What is it about that medium in particular that you would find rewarding compared to, say, film or other forms of television? Well, I think that, you know, with soap operas, once you achieve a certain level of notoriety in the world of soap operas and you, you've attracted an audience to watch you, it's invested in you as a, as a character. Uh, if you go to another show, like I've done four soap operas, um, generally it's easier to get hired because, you know, the producers know that you bring a certain audience with you. They also know that you're capable of doing the amount of work that soap operas involve. You know, when you shoot a film, you might shoot six, seven pages, eight pages a day. Uh, when we do a soap opera, we shoot 80 pages a day. Wow. Yeah, I've always, I've always thought that it looked like it'd just be a, a, an absolute grind on everybody involved in those things. 
Yeah, it, it, it is. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like going to the gym. You know, the more you lift weights, the stronger you get. The more you, you are able to memorize material, the better you get at memorizing. Now, of course, memorizing the material has nothing to do with acting, but it's a skill set that you have to have if you're going to do soap operas because they move so quickly that, you know, the producers need to know that if you've got 25 pages of dialogue, that you can learn it, you know, overnight. That's and insane. It's not going to be a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I mean, that's never, you know, learning the dialogue's never really been a problem. It's just, that's just part of the job. So having both worked in the soap opera and also being Mike Barnes on uh, The Karate Kid Part 3, uh, who has who has the most intense fan base, soap opera fans or Karate Kid fans? Oh boy. Uh, you know, I got to <laughs> tell you, that, that's a tough. That's a toss-up because you know soap operas. Soap operas don't stop. They're 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 continual serials, and so you have people that have watched soaps for for thirty, forty, fifty. You know, General Hospital started as a as as a radio show, and then it became a black and white TV show, and you know, then of course you know it had its heyday in the eighties and blah blah blah. So you got people that have watched some of these shows for decades, and they are just diehard loyal fans. That being said, Karate Kid and the Karate Kid franchise really has become a, a part of the, the cinematic tapestry of, of, our, of our nation. And they play the movies over and over again to new audiences. And so it's, you know, it, it sprouts a whole new crop of fans. And I think, you know, people that are fans of the movie, they watch them again and again. I, you know, there's this, there's this saying, I don't remember who said it, but they said, you know, we, the reason we listen to songs over and over again the same song or, or watch the same movie over and over again is because the movie doesn't change but the eyes that we see it with change or the you know the ears that we listen to a song change as we change as human beings so you can watch a movie when you're 15 years old and it might have a very different effect or appeal to you when you watch it as someone who's 30 oh yeah i actually had the exact uh, thing happen when uh, I watched uh, The Karate Kid for the first time in God, about maybe 15 years, where all of a sudden I was able to see it from Miyagi's point of view. And uh, as somebody who is uh, without children myself, I could kind of see how Miyagi definitely latched on to Daniel as sort of a, a surrogate son. Right. And I, there's no way I would have been able to appreciate that watching it the first time around back in 1984. No way. Good observation, yeah. Now, what is the uh, wildest story involving a convention or fan interaction that you can share? Oh, geez. I, I don't know. I don't really have any <laughs> any tremendously wild stories about fans. Uh, nah, nothing too crazy, especially with the Karate Kid fans. You know, usually they're, they're extremely polite, respectful. You know, they're, they're, they're usually just really jazzed to to meet one of the characters in the movie and talk for a few minutes. So, you know, nothing, nothing too, uh, nothing too crazy. Now, as we get to uh, wrap up, I'd like to have you speak a little bit more about your book and what are some other things that, um, you know, people can find in it because it's kind of like a hybrid, right? It's got a bunch of different things in there, not just yeah, recipes. It is. Yeah, it, it is a hybrid. It's not just a cookbook. Um, it's, it's a, you know, it's a book about how guys can be better guys and how women can understand how guys think. And I talk about a lot of the stuff that's had a big made a big impression in my life. 
And so there's different chapters, for instance, um, you know, I've studied, I've studied uh, Italian for 10 years. It's made a big difference in my life. So I have a, a chapter called The Modern Gentleman uh, Studies a Language. And there's another chapter called The Modern Gentleman Defends Himself. And I discuss how martial arts has made such a, a big impression in my life and how I really feel that, you know, it's something that really helps somebody to be a well-rounded uh, individual is to, to, you know, to study some sort of martial art. Uh, so I, I would encourage anybody who is interested in learning how to cook, but also interested in you know, learning how to become uh, the best man that they can become to check out my book. Uh, you can get it uh, on a website, which is called uh, moderngentleman.com. And uh, if, you, if you get a book, you go to the shop and buy one, and I'll be glad to sign it for you. And uh, I love when people read the book and they get back to me and they tell me how much they enjoyed it. Uh, it really means a lot to me. So uh, I hope people will uh, go ahead and check that out. We'll definitely put that in the show notes so that way it's easier for uh, listeners to check that out if, if they want to order one. Thank you. Is there any other work that, uh, that that listeners can expect to see you in? Uh, I know that you're working on a movie. Um, I'm forgetting the title. It's I'm blanking on the title right now, but uh, I, I believe you're a writer on a upcoming well, I, movie. Well, I, 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 I am a writer indeed. Yeah, I, well, I actually just had a film come out. Uh, this was about a month and a half ago. It's called Limelight. Uh, I think you can find it on uh, Amazon. It's a real fun movie about Hollywood. I play another bad guy. <laughs> uh, I play a real sleaze bag uh, Hollywood producer. Uh, right now, I've been really tied up. Uh, I was hired to write a new TV series. It's a a uh, 30-minute single-camera dramedy, and so that's really been taking up all my time and all my effort. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrific project. And as soon as it's ready, I'm going to be uh, letting everybody know about it. And that's pretty much what I've been involved in right now is is more in the in the writing and the producing end of things. But you know, uh, I will. Uh, I'm sure I'll get back in front of the camera sooner rather than later. Is this why you're learning um, some different foreign languages? Now, you know, it, it's, it's actually, it's not. I, I have always loved studying languages. Uh, I'm actually studying uh, three right now. I'm studying Italian, French, and Mandarin Chinese. And uh, it's kind of like, uh, like I said, with the cooking, it's, it's a little bit of therapy for me because I'm able to sort of shut my mind off and concentrate only on that and kind of forget everything else that's going on for a couple hours during the day. And, uh, you know, I really like it. And I, I love to travel too. And so, so the two seem to go hand in hand. Um, I, I, you know, absolutely love to travel. And I think when you, when you're able to speak some of the, the local language, it really enhances the experience. And that concludes our conversation with one Mr. Uh, Kanan, and I want to thank him again. He kept on telling me to please call him Sean, because you know how I am, like with formalities. I always call people Mr. or Mrs. Yeah. until I, they I tell me. I get in trouble with the phrases sir and ma'am <laughs> all the time, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so thanks again, Sean, for giving us the, the, the time. Uh, you know, we hope to have you come back someday and... Uh, you know, talk some more because you know he's. I know he's got more stories to share, and hopefully, uh, what the listeners heard will suffice. Yes, yeah. Uh, something tells me that if we had time, we could, you know, get all kinds of uh, interesting tidbits out of him. Uh, if we had him on again, it would be great for sure. I mean, like I said, I got all my questions answered. Oh yeah, there's no, yeah. There's nothing else I needed to know. 
<laughs> All right. So uh, that wraps it up for this particular episode. I want to thank everybody for your guys' continued support. And without you. Yes, thank you. Yes, without you, we wouldn't have this show. We wouldn't have uh, the cast members come on because I think they see you guys interacting with them in the social medias and we hear it from them that they all love it and appreciate it. So uh, uh, again, thank you guys. Um, so having said that, we would like to, uh, ask for, a, you know, I'd say a, a small favor here. If you really do enjoy our show and would like to show your support, uh, please consider, you know, taking a minute or so and just leaving us a star rating or a review, if you like, on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app, uh, of your choice, uh, which we do have a new one today that I would like to read. But leaving these reviews and the star ratings, it's really going to help out the visibility of the show. Um, every time I do a search for our show, we fluctuate between uh, top 8 to top 15. So the more ratings and the more reviews will keep us afloat, you know, within the top 10. You know, if people see us, they'll check out the show. So um, this next review we got, it, it comes from Tim with a T. So uh, clearly this is a... Uh, <laughs> You know, clearly An inside joke. If there ever was one, he enjoys the show. Clearly, so um, the title of this review says, "You are the best around." Five stars, Peter and Tom. I am new to your Facebook group and find myself mainlining all the posts. I have been also listening to these podcasts and and absolutely addicted to them. I don't think my car will start without Cobra Kai companion with a K <laughs> on. <laughs> Nice. The interviews of the cast, backstories, and motivators bring the characters more alive. In turn, this is causing a lot more thought-provoking ideas and plot twists for the whole series. Thank you. No, Tim. Thank you. That's yes, a thank you. Thank you for your kind words. Yeah. And now I feel pressure because <laughs> I, I just have a feeling that if we're ever late on one episode. And you're stranded in the parking lot. You're gonna blame us for your dead battery. Yeah, that I think that's. I, one I of the, don't handle <laughs> pressure well, Tim with the T. Yeah, I just I love it. Uh, I like how he. Um, I've never heard anything like that before. Like his car won't start without Cobra Kai companion <laughs> with the K playing. That's awesome. Uh, not only that, he's picked up on like some of the the nicknames that we have dropped like on our show as well. I've seen him use that with you know some of the members in our group. You know, he referred mm -hmm. to somebody. You know, by a nickname that we say uh, on, on the podcast. So I think that's really cool. That just shows that, you know, we have people, you know, just listening intently, not just casually listening, but we we have fans, I guess, you know, there's no it, other word. It, it so it never ever fails to amaze me whenever I hear that anybody is listening to a show that I'm in. Yeah, it's that's it, it, mind blowing. It's very encouraging. You know, that's the word I'm going to keep using because. You know, without seeing this stuff, why? I mean, that that motivates us to continue producing. Yeah, it does. Yeah, bonus content. So speaking of which, we'll definitely have some more bonus content coming your way. Uh, we definitely want to spread out the episodes a little bit more now. Uh, now that we have all of the TV Ate My Brain interviews uh, up, because uh, you know, for those that have subscribed for a while, you guys may notice I was popping out like two episodes every day. But that was just you know to to bring everybody up to speed, uh, basically. So now that we have all the episodes up uh we hope to at least put out an episode once a week um so yeah it, there 
there's plenty of content and we have plenty of ideas, uh, one of which, you know, movie reviews. We've talked about it, so expect some of those coming as well. Uh, if you want to, you know, join our group page, www.periodcobrakai.tvamb group, we'll announce those movies and, you know, you'll get a chance to leave feedback that we can read on the episodes as well um, before we review and put them up. So if that's something you're interested in, join the group. We have a very active group. It continues to grow. So big things are happening over at the the little little group page there. The the little group that could. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you guys want to reach out to either of us on anything other than Cobra Kai, I do host a uh, movie podcast, which uh, at the time of this recording, Tom and I will be getting ready to do a few Halloween movies. We're not going to do them all. A little ambitious, uh, especially with what we're doing here well, at Cobra Kai. Let's, let, let's be honest with you. The Halloween series is hit and miss at best. Okay. Uh, There's some real clunkers in that (laughs) franchise. I bet. I bet. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to do a few of those over at Podstalgic. Uh, You know, Tom had joined me for the Karate Kid movies, which we also put on this feed. Uh, He's joined me for the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise last year. So uh, that's what we'll be doing in October uh, at Podstalgic on Instagram and Twitter. What about you, Tom? Uh, Well, actually, at the time of this recording, I just put out a new episode of uh, Jake and Tom Conquer the World in which... uh, the main subject was Jake forcing me to watch uh, the 1993, I guess you could call it a cult classic, uh, Demolition Man starring Wesley Snipes and uh, Sylvester Stallone. That's which, an amazing uh, movie, Tom. Why didn't you have me on it? Uh, I... I <laughs> I had to get through it on my own. That's what, sometimes a guy is just a man just has to do things on his own. Peter, that's an amazing movie. Come on, they look. Taco Bell survived the big um, earthquake. <laughs> <sighs> Come on, we talked about you know after bar foods on your show. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, you know what? I'm willing to bet that that movie would have been a lot better if I had a good beer buzz going. No, uh, maybe some Coors Banquet. So there you go. Yeah, a couple other teases because uh, you know you mentioning that um, by the time listeners hear this, those you know that episode will be out. Maybe a Halloween episode will be out because this is uh, recorded in advance. Uh, I think at this time, I would hope by this time, uh, Mr. Voss Sanchez is supposed to be back on the show to do a little special yes, episode. Our first return guest, if I yeah. remember right. First return guest. Um, he's gonna. Uh, again, if if everything is working out, that episode should already be out. But if you guys see like a Vas Sanchez part two or something to that effect, he shares a pretty cool story that he heard on set. One that I am dying to hear directly from the man himself. I've heard it secondhand. I got to hear it from Vaz. Yeah, yeah. It's It's about a little podcast you guys might have heard of. So that's a little tease for you guys there. So that's going to do it. Cobra Kai pod on Twitter, Cobra Kai podcast on Instagram. Make sure you guys follow us there. And thanks everybody again for checking us out. We'll see you next time. See ya.
Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.